points, let's go, it's the fantasy points Ain't no raggedy joint, they mad at me scoring points But then they glad that they join One for the money, two bars on the show The boys stay ready, Swamp Rats, let's go Yo, welcome back, Swamp Rats We've got a very, very special episode today We're bringing on a, a great guest from the site But before we get to that, I, I want to I mention off the top Like, if you're not subscribed to fantasypoints.com like what are you doing with your life like it's august 18th this will probably come out and be in your ear holes on like the 19th or the 20th huge draft weekends coming up guys like the amount of like the amount of work that we're all collectively putting into the site right now is it's like unconscionable it's unbelievable we got daily updated projections a bunch of cheat cheat sheets that can help you win your leagues our fantasy points generator is popping off and can help you uh, kind of set up not only how you want to plan for your draft, but you can take it with you while you draft and know who to take, where and when. Uh, we have just countless, countless articles. John Hansen's draft plans, our entire staff's players to target, players that are overvalued, players that we're avoiding. All of that's up. Scott's got fantastic content up on his guys, the guys he wants on all of his teams. I've got a bunch of best ball strategy articles up. If you're still hanging in the best ball streets, I got a super flex strategy guide up. Uh, the amount of the amount of work that we're that we're putting into it is simply incredible. If you want to go back, we we just finished up our franchise focus series uh, a couple weeks ago. That has our player profiles. We've had a bunch of questions about where player profiles are at. They're over there. Franchise focus. Uh, go check it out. We got all 32 teams previewed, prettied up. Tons of content. Wes did a phenomenal job, too, breaking down the scheme notes in depth on those. We've got pro player profiles, all of our projections. I have some stats, pace, and tendencies in there. Uh, yeah, it's just all-encompassing. And again, you can get 10 bucks off, 10% off, Twenty-one uh, code 21BARFIELD10. Get you 10% off any subscription, a, uh, a standard subscription, which will be your season-long stuff, and a premium subscription, which will be DFS embedding. And you're definitely going to want to get in on DFS and betting with the football season right around the corner. So let's get into it. Scott, we got a, a great guest on today. Uh, Wes, this is the first time we've, we've had you on the show, um, but we're going to be doing a little mailbag today. Uh, we'll do a little mailbag episode at the end of the show, uh, but wanted to kind of get in uh, and then pick Wes's brain on Dynasty. Wes is like our, Wes does obviously, you know, you, you probably know him pretty well from advanced matchups article that he did last year on the site, which uh, was, in my opinion, the most valuable article we had on the site last year. Wes is going to be bringing that, bringing that back again for our DFS and premium subscribers this year. So you're definitely not going to want to miss out on that. But in the, in the offseason, Wes is like our dynasty mastermind. And for the first like half of the show, Scott and I kind of just want to pick his brain on dynasty and his general philosophy. But Wes, how's it going, man? How's, ever, how's everything going in, in Kentucky and everything going your way? Yeah, man, everything's going good. Uh, just living it up in the humidity, Kentucky. I mean, it's not too hot out, but man, the humidity is just—it's that's what gets you. It's, yeah, it's it's almost you can't even go outside. But you know, I got to walk our new puppy out there all the time. So, yeah, man, just you know, I'm, uh, I'm ready for some football. We're we're knee deep in in some preseason, which is okay, you know. And and, and I think we're going to actually get to see some some real players coming up this these next couple of weeks, you know, with only three games. So that's exciting. And then we got college football coming up and then the real thing, man, it's yeah. coming quick. I know it always, it feels like, you know, after the 4th of July, I don't know how you guys feel, but like after the 4th, it's just like 
a freaking slip and slide. Just like you get, you get down to the shoot so fast and you're just like, Oh shit, it's here. You know, it's September already. But, uh, but yeah, I want to, before we talk dynasty, like, you know, Scott and, you know, Scott mainly did like the, the week one preseason, uh, reactions and kind of snap counts and all of that stuff. Uh, I helped out a little bit cause got to give him, got to give Scott a little bit of a breather, but like, what's your general, what's your general like philosophy on preseason games? Like, do you, do you, like, what do you take away from it? Because for Scott and I, and, um, most analysts these days, it's like looking into who's playing with the starters, you know, how players are used, um, you know, what, what's kind of like your general feel for preseason or like things that you look for? Well, the first thing I don't overreact to the studs, the studs are going to be studs. Um, and they've, they've developed that reputation for a reason. And the preseason, I mean, if you think back to previous seasons, you can't tell me, uh, what, what a stud has done in the preseason because who cares? Nobody talks about it. Nobody cares. It's in the past. But I do what I do put a lot of uh, stock into are the breakouts where, where guys just step forward in their roles. Um, they come out of nowhere, and the, you know you need to take note, especially in dynasty, because most of the time they're not going to get a lot of early season action. But uh, one guy like Quez Watkins, that's a guy could could actually come into the season with some play this year. Um, another is is with injuries, of course. You know we do, we don't want to see injuries in the preseason, and that's obviously something that we want to we want to take note of. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it, I think it's informative for everybody. Just, uh, the guys that are going to make the, the 53 man are obviously important in the, the deeper leagues. So, and I'm in, I'm in several of those and, and I love to talk deeper league, uh, strategy. So yeah. uh, totally valuable. Yeah. So besides Quez, who, by the way, you wrote up for, um, preseason DFS plays, you nailed that call besides Quez who, um, yeah, like who is who has caught your eye besides Quez? Well, stick with the Eagles and uh, Tyree Jackson, tight end, uh, quarterback yeah. convert. He just got hurt, though, man. You see that? Did he? No, yeah. I didn't see that. It, the news came out like maybe thirty minutes before we started recording. I think he's going to be out for a while. He might not make the team now, unfortunately. But I'm with oh, you. He looked wow. great. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's go over to Washington. Jarrett Patterson, a guy that he didn't even catch a pass last year. He looked phenomenal for Washington. Could possibly be a, the, the, the RB3 there. Uh, we'll see. And then also a, a tight end there, a guy that's like a, an athletic phenomenon, Samus Reyes, who had never even played football before, came came from uh, soccer. And he looked really good, uh, you know, spelling behind, uh, you know, there the, are a couple of guys there. So, um, uh, yeah, I th- I'm excited about him. Um, and then I do like, um, Jaquan Hardy at, at, at Dallas. He looked, yeah. he's broken seven tackles and 11 carries. So, um, you know, they're just, they're just smaller guys. Oh, and Trinity Benson out of uh, Denver caught a couple touchdown passes last game. That's yeah. a deep wide receiver room, but, uh, he's looking like he might make the roster. Yeah. But Broncos receiver room is so freaking good, man. Tim oh, Patrick's geez. their four. I mean, Patrick would most likely be a three on those teams, but yeah, the Jared Patterson thing is interesting, right? Because, you know, we know Gibson's role for the most part. We just hope he gets more passing down work. We know JD McKissick's role is obvious like that. Number three role is like wide open. And uh, we were kind of joking about it on a, on a call we did uh, with the staff earlier this week, but like Peyton Barber was like one of the worst, if not the worst running back in the league last year. So uh, Patterson's opportunity to make the team as a UDFA is like wide open. And the fact that he was catching balls, like you mentioned, because he did not do that at Buffalo and in, in all that no. action. He didn't do that at all. Uh, that was not his game. So him, you know, getting that work in is important. 
And um, I've kind of drafted Patterson late in some of like the deeper NFFC best ball drafts that are like, you know, 30, 35 rounds. I've taken Patterson late, um, just thinking he's going to end up being the the true handcuff, like early down handcuff to Gibson. But yeah, it's been good to see him get that action. Another guy, Jacob Harris, like I, uh, I, he just had core surgery. Yeah, he just had core surgery and he's back on the field. That just blows my mind. Just the the type of um, you know recovery that he made with that just has to be due to age and athleticism. Yeah, do you think ridiculous. he? Do you think he's gonna like? Do you think he has a chance to like carve out any type of role? Because I know obviously Hegby is the one and Hopkins will be the two. But I don't know about that. Yeah. From what I what I was reading, Hopkins is behind. So I think really? he, I okay. think he has a chance to be the two. Um, and then my, my boy, Marquez Stevenson, man, he's already made the roster because of his, his special teams, but man, he's one of the fastest players in the offense. Just watch out for Marquez, especially if somebody goes down, you know, he's going to he'll slot right in. Yeah. I think like 90% of our listeners don't care about these deep dynasty stashes, but they just want to talk about two of them. Uh, (laughs) Jacob Harris by my metrics, Spork score with a Q. Uh, he's the seventh most athletic tight end since at least 2000. Uh, like honestly comparable to, uh, you know, the Kyle Pitts of the world, uh, a little more athletic than George Kittle, even who's an all-time freak athlete as well. And then Jared Patterson, just really interesting, uh, across one, two game stretch last season, he totaled seven, uh, 710 <laughs> yards and 12 touchdowns on the ground. Uh, his 178.7 rushing yard per game average in 2020, uh, that ranks sixth best since 2000 on a top 10 list with LaDainian Tomlinson, Matt Forte, Melvin Gordon, D'Angelo Williams. Uh, I mean, he's, he's probably nothing, but, you know, who knows? And certainly preseason usage uh, was encouraging. Yeah. Or productive. What? Yeah. Uh, Wes, who's the best running back in the NFL from the Mac? Who, I can't think of anybody off the top of my head, and I'm just trying to think of it. Uh, Kareem Hunt. Oh, oh right. right, 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 right. Yeah, he's Toledo. Duh. Okay, besides Hunt. <sighs> I know, right? I don't know why Hunt just slipped my mind. Maybe because he was such a freaking badass, it didn't even matter. Yeah. yeah I didn't I'm put on the spike. Yeah. I can't think of anybody else. Um wasn't Michael Turner uh, Falcons back? Wasn't he from the from the Mac, like Illinois or something Michael like that? Michael Turner was not. No, he was, I think he was Pac. Well, are you gonna make me Google it? Yeah. This is right. shady. We'll, we'll move on from the, we'll move on from the Mac and come back to it. But um, yeah. So main reason we want to bring Wes on is to talk through just no, you know, go ahead. Right, Northern Illinois. Hey. I don't know. I could. I don't know why. I just my brain skipped right over Kareem Hunt. Like I don't know. That was weird. But yeah, Michael Turner was the first guy I thought of. He's like a. He's long gone now. But uh, all right. So like I was saying, we want to we want to bring Wes on to talk dynasty. Go through the mailbag. Uh, we'll hit on that later. But um, first and foremost, Wes, like you know, I know you play in a shit ton of dynasty leagues. Like what and Debbie too. And if for our listeners out there who don't know what Debbie is. It's basically like you draft – it's a dynasty league, but you draft these guys in college. So you're holding on to these guys for years and years. So you got to be like on top of everything college football related. But, Wes, for your dynasty leagues, 
what is like your general philosophy and like maybe one to two things that you take into every draft uh, that you do? Well, I don't want to go overboard with age. You know, you don't want to get, you don't want to project too far out. Anything more than four years is, is pretty, you're, you're setting yourself up to, to be too young yeah. and, and, you, and, and overlooking just too many studs. So you definitely don't want to overlook guys like Devonte Adams because he's almost, you know, he's, he's going on 29 because I mean, the guy's in the prime of his career, but at the same time, you know, you, there are, there are certain exceptions to that rule. You know, if, if a guy's young, but also has, you know, top of the position talent, then definitely you want to look at him. But, uh, I mean, it, it's, it's, I, I hate to throw athleticism in there, but I, I do, I do factor that and I can't help doing that because of, because of my Debbie interest. Um, I, 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 I see myself when I end up drafting a team, I, I do end up drafting more, drafting more athletic guys, both NFL and uh, college season long, you know, and it's, I just can't get it out of my system. But, uh, you know, I, I'll also draft for value, of course, you know, mm-hmm. uh, basically here's the thing. I never go into a draft or, or I never go into a pick with one guy in mind, unless I'm the first pick in the draft. Right. I always have, um, I always have several guys in mind, so I don't get too caught up in one player because, you know, uh, I have my favorite players just like everybody else, but I feel like that's a big trap that you set, you set for yourself. Um, trying to trying to go after your players uh, all the time. So, yeah. you know, I, I like to, I like to mix and match and, uh, and, uh, keep it fresh, you know? Yeah. That's like my biggest thing that I try to do too, is like, just be flexible, you know, and depending on where your draft is going in the fourth, fifth, sixth rounds, like don't just force positions. Like, you know, I mean, you, you can be flexible with your strategy, not come in with some sort of like set plan. One big thing that I've learned from playing dynasty for now, you know, six, seven years, and especially playing with like Scott and his partner and a lot of teams, TJ Calkins is, you know, I, didn't skew like super, super old where I would take like, you know, 28, 29 year olds on like every pick, but I definitely didn't build for that four year window that you're talking about. I usually kept it to like a two to three. And I think finding that right blend of, you know, Hey guys that can, you know, they're going to be week one starters for you. No, no matter, you know, no matter what, finding that blend of like veteran and youth infusion is, is huge. And it is a balance because, I mean, I'm super competitive. I want to go and win year one. I want to win year two. I want to win year three. You know, I'm not trying to like, you know, punt year one to try and win year three. I'm trying to be competitive in all three years. Um, and that's certainly one thing I've, I've tried to, to, to get much, much better at. Um, in, in and you know years. me, I, I go the complete yeah. opposite where yeah. I, I'm trying to lose year one. Yeah. Get the 101. See, I can't, stand, I can't I can do that, do. man. I hate looking at Owen. I don't know how you. I can't exactly. do it. I don't know how you do it, Scott. Oh, like I, I, I cannot it. punt a season. I can't because I, I know it pays off in the end because I, I drafted a bunch of guys like you who take that approach, which means all the value is in trying to win year two, year three, and beyond. It's like Warren Buffett when he's investing, he's like, you know, a lot of people are, are trying to make money this qu- quarter or this year, this fiscal year. I am trying to buy and hold 
ideally forever. And that's, that's me. I'm trying to buy and hold ideally forever. And so he beats people year five, year 10, year 15, and so on and so on. And so what I do is I, I adopt the year one tank, then bank strategy. And look at me now in the Fantasy Points Dynasty League, far and away yeah. the best team set to dominate for the next five years. Uh, Secret League, which we're not allowed to talk about, same thing. So uh, I see. I would disagree. Like I I don't see that. Uh, you, you, this the the fantasy points dynasty league. You think you got the best team? No, you're you're talking about a different different team. Oh, okay. that 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 team actually isn't that isn't that good. Not being tight end premium threw me off, and I traded back a bit too much. But the other one we're in, it's just yeah, you know, like far and away one of the best one of the best rosters I've ever seen. It's good. Your quarterbacks, I'm not blown away by them, but you see. Okay, so here's the thing. Like, I, I don't think I don't I don't draft for right away. Now, nah, the secret league is is easily my worst league. I, I'm not I'm not even going to go into that. That's good but, for me because I have your rookie pick, your first round rookie pick this year. But yeah, oh yeah. shit. Um, but the thing is, is is uh, I don't I don't I don't ever punt a position. I don't care what format it is. But you always punt a position. Always. Oh yeah. Yeah, and, I, I and, punt ideally uh, quarterback uh, and running back. And then I want to get those positions in the rookie draft where they're so much cheaper. Running back is ideal to punt, in my opinion. Yeah. If you go extreme year one tank, maybe quarterback, but really running back just because there's so many avenues for those guys to fail. You know, the higher injury risk, but then they have to withstand, you know, RB1 duties throughout free agency and then the draft where, you know, uh, like Melvin Gordon's going to get cucked by Javante Williams this year. If he's not outright supplanted, it's a committee which tanks his value. So if you drafted him before free agency, you know, you, you, you saw his value plummet. So I, I want guys who we guaranteed to see their, their value increase over the next see, few years when I'm competitive. What I like to do is I just – I don't punt a position, but um, – I Throw the secret league aside. What I what I usually try to go into is to have a team that that each player that I'm going to focus on. I won't take the old guys until later, um, and, yeah. and as a as a rule, you know, guys like Cole Beasley. But um, uh, definitely, I, I like to keep my guys in a, in a younger range, so I at least at least get four years out of them. And um, to me, I don't think you can really project further out than four years without without a huge trade-off in in just variability and right that's why i'm always trying to compile rookie picks you you guys don't like losing in year one and that'll pay off in the dfb league Graham one year one so his buy-ins paid for for the next Mm -hmm. 12 years but nothing's worse to me than just sitting there looking at a declining roster you you know you just lost a few guys and it's it's just trending down and that's so hard to dig your your way out of it is yeah And that's, that's, that's that's the mistake. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, that's the mistake I made early in my dynasty career. Scott is like, I would do that same exact thing. You know, I'd be like, yes. Back when you were partners with Jacob Rickroad. Oh, that was my, that was my, that's my guy. I still love. Yeah, no, he's, he, but he is the, you know, pinnacle, you know, win year one guy. Yeah. Yeah. No, Jake. Yeah. And Jake. Et cetera. Yeah, yeah, and Jake has like long-standing, you know, track record of, of winning with that. It's like, but at the same time, you got to balance it out. You got to balance out having, you know, having some sort of, you know, plan in, in year three and year four. Um, Wes, so you know, you talk about skewing towards um, 
usually skewing towards youth. And I have the, uh, <laughs> I have the, I'm lucky enough to, to be able to look at your dynasty rankings that aren't, aren't published anywhere yet. Um, I love this take. You've got Justin Jefferson at wide receiver one. And I think that's, that's become more consensus as the summer has gone on. Um, depending on where you look, you'll see a CD lamb at wide receiver one. You'll see AJ Brown at wide receiver one. You'll see Ty- Tyreek Hill at wide receiver one, some spots too. But I, I love your uh, your Justin Jefferson take. You've got him as I think your fifth or sixth player off your board. Um, and Scott told me uh, in confidence one time that you think Justin Jefferson is going to be a future Hall of Famer. And I future freaking, Hall of Famer. I freaking love that call. I love that. Now call. I I did qualify is you know provided he stays healthy. Of course. Um, it, I mean, you know, he complains. He complains that he doesn't get enough attention, and I, I fully understand because the, what he what he did last year is just, I mean, unbelievable. I mean, I, I'm just blown away. And you know, I will say that there are several guys here. I don't want to get too caught up in the fact that he's my wide receiver one because I do love CD Lamb. Yep. And and I do love Devonte Adams. I think for the next four years, you're you're going to get top three uh, production, and that's, I mean, easy to say, I want Devontae Adams. So, like, if you were to take CeeDee Lamb, Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, he's only 27, you know. The, this yeah. guy's this guy's just an, a freak of nature. Um, and, and then I think after that, though, there's a drop-off. You know, you, then, you get then you get down to some guys that have lots of talent. I love A.J. Brown. I love D.K. Metcalf. I love Calvin Ridley. But I but I don't love their situations as much. And um, at D.K., he's, he's close to being up in that group. And same with A.J., um, uh, Ridley, uh, um, I'm not so much because, you know, Matt Ryland, and that's another thing. I want to look at the quarterback and I want to look at like, am I going to get at least four years out of him too? Right. Because then if you go from a situation, like look at the Denver Broncos, like they've got some really good wide receivers. I love me some Jared Judy. I know Scott loves Cortland Sutton. I do too. I don't love him when his knees, you know, falling all over the ground, but I, you know, he <laughs> seems to be coming back together, but like, what, what is that quarterback situation, man? It's like, yeah, they make it Aaron Rodgers and then boom, they're all in, they're all like way up, but you know, we don't know. So as far as like Justin Jefferson, um, I mean this, this, the kid, l- let me just name the top 10 wide receivers against cover one man coverage, one, one high safety. And um, in uh, fantasy points per route over the last three years, you got Devonte Adams, you got Justin Jefferson, you got AJ Brown, Ooh. you got uh, Michael Thomas, you got Stefan Diggs, you got Adam Thielen, 14 touchdowns last year. You got Tyree Kill, Cooper Cup, and Amari Cooper, and then Julio Jones. Damn. I mean, we're not talking about a fluke group here. Yeah. And Justin Jefferson's number two. He's yeah. right there next to – he's tied, actually, 0.82 with uh, Devontae Adams. I don't know. It's probably a, a you know a, a, a third number there hidden, but uh, Adams is above him. But, I mean, yeah. that, that's just phenomenal. And then he's also up in the top five against cover three. Yeah. So the two coverages that he's going to see the most in the NFL are cover one and cover three. Yeah. So you can't just ghost him. He's going to produce. Yeah. Uh, let me just interrupt for a second. Uh, Wes Huber is the best matchup guy in all of fantasy football, bar none, the best. I learned so much from reading your articles. You're, you're one of my favorite writers. I, I, I read everything you put out religiously but truthfully, a lot of it goes over my head. I'm just too much of a dummy. Wes, why don't you explain for us what, what it takes for a wide receiver to beat cover one and cover three and why that's important? 
Well, why it's important is because they're going to play, they're going to face those coverages on, on average, 50% of their offensive snaps. So the rest is just going to be a bunch of, it's going to be a hodgepodge of, um, you know, a whole bunch of different either vanilla or exotic coverages. And, and that's where you have your other guys that come in and specialize. But yeah. I, I do want to say, Scott, when you say, say things like that, I don't even know how to respond. <laughs> I, I'm flattered, obviously, but I mean, I just Scott's the best face. hype man to have. Scott is yeah. like the number one hype man. Love it. Um, my was, sunburned face blushes. You know, <laughs> I was going to actually follow up and, and ask a similar question. Like, you know, you track the cover one and cover three stats, you know, religiously. How sticky are those year over year? Like, how much? You know, how often is like Devonte Adams continuing to finish? You know, top five and fantasy points per route run against cover one. Like how sticky is that year over year? Oh, it, it doesn't change. There's, really? there's like zero variability. Wow. Um, and it was, it was almost an identical top 10 before last year. Interesting. Um, so the, the same guy that those, I, so the same guys ahead. are getting open against the same coverages year over year. Basically. Yeah. Okay. Wes, so can, yeah, go ahead. Can you explain for our listeners just a little bit what cover one defense is and what it would take for, uh, an outside, I guess, X wide receiver to, to, to dominate against cover one, who, who might struggle and, and why? Okay. So cover one, you're going to have one safety, the other, the strong safety. And that's the most on. common uh, coverage cell, right? How, how often Mo- do we see that? Uh, around 30%, 30% of all snaps. Um, and then you're also going to have, um, you know, some more exotic man coverages, but uh, you know those numbers are they're, they're harder to to get a lot of um, reliable information from. But uh, you know, cover zero is probably the the next closest one that we can we can actually pull data from. But basically, we cover one one high safety, the free safety, the strong safety is going to move down into the box. He is going to either uh, cover a tight end or he's gonna he's gonna rush the passer. Um, and then you're gonna have your two outside corners, your your slot corners. They're gonna they're all gonna be in man coverage. So basically, what what the defense is trying to do is they're trying to um, divert all the receivers towards the single high safety. If a receiver can get outside of of the uh, the leverage that the cornerback has, then they can work to the sidelines and either just attack vertical or cut to the inside. Um, and, and, and sometimes you'll see that happen. If both receivers can do it like Thielen and Jefferson, then the safety can only go in one direction. Yeah. So the safety will try to help one side of the field and he can't do anything for the other side. And that's what leaves these guys wide open. But you got cornerbacks that are true that are their entire purpose is to cut off that leverage to keep them to the inside but you just got some guys that they you just can't you can't muscle like that and they just throw you off and uh, there's either so quick or they're so strong uh, their functional strength is so um, you know uh, it, it's just so valuable and something that you know you can't track with statistics and, yeah. and you see that with all these guys, like especially like AJ Brown. This guy's a beast. Like you don't you don't control what he does on his route. We saw that with Marlon Marlon Humphrey last year, the first time uh, they played Baltimore. I mean, he was just throwing him out of the way, and 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 that's okay. They got five five yard cushion there. AJ Brown, you don't want to try to body up. So, um, but then he covered three. You got your 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 cornerbacks that are that are in man on cover one. They drop back into a three deep shell, um, and you need to run different types of routes to beat that. 
Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, like, going back to cover one, right? Like, what is – you know, every receiver has a little, you know, kind of thing that they're good at, right? But, like, what's that one thing or two things that Justin Jefferson – what made him so good against cover one last year? Uh, route running and footwork. Yeah. It's just it, – he's – He's just lightning. And, you know, another guy that we're going to see, um, I think, and I think Scott would agree, is is, is Elijah Moore. This guy oh, is – his footwork is electricity. Oh, he baby. just can't – you can't you can't keep keep it in front of you. It, uh, he's just – he's so – he's so maneuverable. Um, and and, and, and Je- Jefferson, he's, he's a thinner-framed guy. But, I mean, he's just almost impossible to track in man mm-hmm. coverage. Yeah, and with more, to the point where he's right up there with Adams. Yeah, with more, what I'm so excited about is, is like you mentioned, the separation ability against man. But like Zach Wilson was the most accurate quarterback. Like if you adjust for drops, adjust for on-target throws, like Zach Wilson is among the top five or eight quarterbacks last year in on-target throws, like at any field depth. So if he gets a guy that's like more, who's getting open quick and fast, like he's going to be able to get the ball into his hands. Uh, uh, very, very quickly. But um, you, you, uh, you, you do this to me every podcast. The, you, you just block out five minutes for Scott to hype up Elijah Moore <laughs> and just my man crush. Uh, you, you know, steel hard erection every time I watch this. Tape, <laughs> it is the, That's that tongue uh, cat that you've been taking, dude. <laughs> <laughs> it's inside joke uh, prior to the show. Yeah. So here's everything to love about Elijah Moore is even if he's just a slot, he is already one of the best slot wide receivers in football. Massive PPR cheat code upside. He averaged 10.8 receptions per game last year, but he has elite speed. So he has that, that T.Y. Hilton, T- Tyler Lockett upside where uh, on the seam route, he could take the house easily. And that's what we saw from Zach Wilson. I, I kept referencing his accuracy on balls thrown 30-plus yards through the air, like the best quarterback in all of football last year on deep targets, 30 plus yards was Patrick Mahomes who completed adjusted for drops, like, I don't know, uh, 29%. And then Zach Wilson was at like 69%. Absolutely obscene. And so you love the chemistry there. There Zach Wilson's taking him out on, on cute bromance dates to fancy <laughs> Italian dinners. It's already his top guy. And then he's also just so silky smooth as a route runner. I believe he can get open uh, at will outside just as he does from the slot. He's a lead after the catch. There's just, uh, we we could, we could talk about him all day, but uh, we we should just do my, I feel like we should splice up all of your Elijah Moore uh, love into one podcast that we've had all these, all these, all these, all these, yeah, just the Elijah pod, but uh but yeah, uh, Wes, great stuff on cover one and cover three. Um, I wanted to ask you, kind of switching gears a little bit, like what what the hell do we do with Michael Thomas in Dynasty? Like where where are you at with him? Oh boy, yeah, um, I was I was struggling where to slot him in just because we don't know when he's coming back. But then I'm telling myself, you know, um, even if he's out half the year, yeah. we still get the next three and a half as long as he comes back healthy. And I think that's kind of what this is is. It, he he didn't want to have surgery, so uh, for whatever reason, who really cares? None of our business. He comes back, it's just not quite right, so he just goes ahead and has the surgery. Um, you know, and and to be honest, I don't think the Saints are – I don't think they're a playoff team. I, I mean, their defense is, but 
I mean, to me, a playoff team, you, it, it revolves through, it goes through your quarterback. And um, I, I'm not sold on either quarterback at the moment. So we'll see. Um, especially Jameis. I don't think Jameis is, yeah. is the guy that's going to, I was, I had high hopes for him, but uh, yeah, just because I thought he, he could, he could get the best out of Thomas, you know, the two of them. But uh, I, I just, we're seeing some bad things from him. And, you know, um, at least with, at least with Taysom Hill, uh, he's got the rushing yardage to, to counteract the possible turnovers. So, but with Thomas, I mean, I'm, I'm around 50. I dropped him. I dropped him back around 10 spots. Um, yeah. I've got him. I mean, just outside of guys like Mike Evans, Amari Cooper, um, you know, Keenan Allen guys, he would have been way ahead of had he been healthy. And I'm not, I'm not really excited about it. I trade for, I traded for him in a Debbie league um, was actually with, with Brett Scott right before he, he left the league. Um, but, um, but, I, but actually I, I was able to trade and, and get Terry McLaurin back. So worked out. Yeah. Graham gave a shout out to TJ Calkins earlier in the show, who is my dynasty partner and, you know, maybe 60% of my leagues. And so his influence on my approach is just, you know, massive. And uh, Michael Thomas was always his guy. Like he had him in nearly 100% of his leagues the year he was a rookie, went out of his way to draft him. Uh, His massive blow up season, he had him in like 90% of teams. The next year, zero. Like last year, zero. He, He worked that perfectly. So you know how I say I don't like declining assets he played that perfectly, traded him at peak value because he saw, okay, Drew Brees, maybe the most accurate quarterback in football history, is looking pretty noodle-armed, maybe only has one year left. And that's really important to a guy like Thomas and how he wins. And he got out way – and it was just the, the perfect the perfect call. Yeah, I, I factor in, like, you know, what Silva was hinting at on our last show where, you know, you know, New Orleans might be running thin with, with him and his attitude and the off-field distractions and things like that. And, yeah, it's certainly worrisome. And that's a guy who has massive downside potential, which can really tank and really hurt your you in a dynasty league. Yeah. Well, you know, you look at him, though, and, and you could say the same thing for Allen Robinson. I mean, what did he have going for him coming into the season? He had nothing, you know. I mean, same age. Um, you know, looking for a contract, but, you know, obviously Thomas got his, but, uh, you know, he, he had basically nothing at quarterback and all it took was uh, a draft pick and it wasn't even a, a top five draft pick, a top, you know, 11 pick. And, and he's got his quarterback now. And I mean, Robinson's stock is shooting. So, and, and I see what you're saying, I, but I, I just don't think that Thomas is at the point where we can really call him a declining asset because he's uh, he's a lot better than people say he is. He is not a slant receiver. So <laughs> if you hear anybody say that, they don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. A-Rob is, A-Rob is more of a slant receiver than Thomas, I feel like. you know. Yeah, I mean, a vertical guy too. He, yeah, he likes his right. deep stuff, but yeah. Yeah. He's, yeah. He doesn't. He doesn't have a like a dominant route tree. That's for yeah. sure. Yeah, it's good to hear you be you know kind of like the voice of reason with Thomas because I've got him in a few spots. Luckily, the two, I think I have him on two teams. One of them is like a team that I'm just dead, so it doesn't even really matter. But yeah, I think you're right. I think you know we just don't know. You know, there's a lot of like nuclear vibes coming from Peyton's, the Saints, and the you know Thomas's relationship with the team, which is certainly scary. But at the end of the day, I mean, they just gave him a huge extension. It, it would take a lot for them to move on from him. And, you know, like you mentioned with, with A-Rob, um, Thomas's quarterback situation can can change really, really well, quickly. 
And then it also looked like somebody was interested in Thomas there oh. for a little bit. If the Saints float him, Thomas is going to have like they would. This, you know, we always like, say. Could you imagine Saints... him going to the Jags? Oh baby, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That'll make it move again. There, um, who who uh, <laughs> recruited him? Who coached him in college? Yeah, that Urban Meyer guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that would be nice. Um, Jags have a ton of cap space too, um, so it'll be interesting to see what what happens with Thomas. I still, I think. At the end of the day, it's kind of like the same approach I had with with Rodgers all offseason. It was like, mm-hmm. man, the Packers are going to figure this out. They're going to kiss and make up. And maybe they haven't kissed and made up totally, but there is, I still think we're going to see Thomas back this year. Maybe He's a not. class act. He's a guy yeah. that's going to stab a franchise in the heart. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, so another player that I wanted to ask you about who's been kind of like difficult to value because of injuries, but not because of an injury of his own, is Darrell Henderson. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Cam Akers is out for the rest of the year. Um, you know, the, the track record, we talked about this with, with Edwin Porras, maybe about a month ago on the podcast, Scott and I did, um, you know, the track record of, of running backs, especially young running backs coming off Achilles tears is like thin. I mean, there's just not that much data to go off of. I mean, it's just such a rare injury. Um, so Darrell Henderson, like, you know, he's in the final year of his rookie deal. Um, he's a guy that, that I liked coming out of college quite a bit face, (laughs) face planted year one, came back. Uh, last year looked a lot better. Um, excuse me, he's got two more years left on his rookie deal. Is that right? Yeah. Or do I have the math wrong? 2019? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah right. He's got two more right. years. Yeah, two more years left. Um, so D Hendo, man, like, you know, he's got the, you know, 1A potential bell cow role uh, coming this year. But, you know, long term, you know, Akers is going to come back. Um, Henderson has, you know, not necessarily been a, a bastion of health himself. How are you? Uh, how are you handling Henderson in, um, in Dynasty right now? And how much have you moved him up your ranks? I moved him up. Uh, let's see, seventy spots. I don't love Henderson though. Um, okay. I, some of the guys, some of my friends at PFF, some guys that I I value their opinion. They were they were not impressed by him. That that they they were the ones who uh, did a lot of the grading for Memphis. And um, I mean, he was a guy that 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 couldn't always find the, the open gap. And, um, and, and, you know, it, I'm not, I don't think we should really go into like injuries with him. I just think that that's, that's been overblown. Um, so I think he's going to have a big year, but I think, I, I think I, I don't have him in any leagues. Um, yeah, I have him in some best balls, but I don't have him in any leagues. And I think if you have him, I would trade him. I would move him yeah. right now because I, it's not that I don't think he's – I think he's going to have a big year because he's going to be running behind a, a great offensive line. I mean, a potential top five offensive line. But I think I think after this year – I mean, Cam Akers is the kind of guy that uh, – I mean, what is it, a three-year injury? I mean, the only other guy I could think about is Dante Foreman, and he was out for yep. multiple years and is only now, like, establishing himself again. Um, so you, I mean, it's exactly right. I mean, we don't really have much of a precedent there and, and, mm-hmm. um, but you know, I mean, you gotta love Cam Akers, but it's so at least what, two years, year and a half, but look at Landon Collins, he tore his ACL in what December. And now he's, he's back in the field, you know, I mean, yeah. I'm not I'm sorry. ACL is his Achilles and then just, that's crazy. But, um, yeah. yeah, I still have Akers a little bit higher than Henderson. I think, I think his upside, I mean, hopefully he can come back soon enough. He's a, he's an athletic freak, you know, five-star guy. Um, which super rare, um, the true right. five star guy, and um, but uh, yeah, Henderson. I think right now is his values is, is peaked. I think it's it's at the point where I think I would try to move him. Yeah, 
I think if you're like solid with your running back depth and Henderson's like your three or four, that's the perfect spot to to sell high and and uh, and just kind of cash in before the season starts. So I'm, I'm with you there. With Acres, like, um, you know, it's it sucks because like he was set up just for the perfect spot. Like you mentioned, he has the pedigree, he had the production. Um, you know, I just think he was, you know, I think he was like being for redraft. I think he was being drafted like at or near his ceiling. So I kind of ended up, I luckily ended up with very little of him in best ball this year, but man, I mean, he was just, I've got him on a number of dynasty teams and I've been holding for quite some time and just brutal. Um, I think with acres, I think you just hold, if you have acres, you just hold them, um, Mm -hmm. stash them on your IR and just see where we're at, you know, um, maybe, you know, February, March, see how his rehab's going. But yeah, I think. I or think trade for him, you know, same yeah. with Thomas, you know, go yeah. trade for him. If you can get him at a, at a really low value, you know, and then, right. I mean, I would, I would be thrilled to get a first round uh, rookie pick for Henderson, man. I'd just do backflips. Yeah. I, I've seen a few of those in the leagues that I'm in that I like, you know, competitive teams that are trading for Henderson, you know, so it'll be back half of the first round, but in super flex leagues, like if you don't have a quarterback problem, like that back half of the first round could be nice. You know, you can get some receivers that are falling there. So yeah, I'm with you on Henderson. Um, As much as I did love him coming out of college, I don't have a ton of them. I think I've got him in our staff league, but yeah. Um, The spots I do. Yeah, the only Henderson I think I have is only Henderson I have just where I was handicapping him with, with acres where I would take yeah. him. So. Right. Um, all right. So let's, uh, let's talk quickly here about Najee Harris um, and, you know, this whole situation short and long-term with the Steelers. Um, I, I think I mentioned to Scott, like in April, that I think even though Harris isn't on that, like Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey, type of like generational apex of dynasty backs. I think he's like right below them, like a skosh below them. And then he goes first round, perfect spot to the Steelers. We've already seen the role. I mean, through two preseason games, he's played on 83% of the first team snaps. Granted, no big bin, but like 83%. That's Christian McCaffrey, Zeke Elliott territories. I mean, he's going to play every down. Um, but you mentioned, Wes, before the show that you've liked what you've seen so far out of the Steelers' offensive line, and that's obviously been the big point of contention beyond Big Ben's you know, declining talent. The offensive line has been the big point of contention. So what, what did you see? What have you seen so far to the line that's made you a little more promising uh, as, it, as it relates to Harris this year and the next couple of years? Well, they come together. So, so with the Steelers, the offensive line, it was always, it was always misleading because they were, they would be good in, in pass protection, but just, right. I mean, brutal uh, blocking for the run. And that, that's a, the product of, of blocking for uh, Ben Roethlisberger because he's, he's the best quarterback in the NFL at reading the blitz. You just, you don't blitz him because he, he you can't get to him because he, he'll, he'll find the open guy. Um, he's, he's just not to be messed with there. So, um, but what we've seen in the off seat or what we've seen during the preseason is the offensive line meshing really fast. And I, and, and I'm starting to wonder is, is that so much with the offensive line or is that with the offensive line, knowing the type of running back that they have behind him? Hmm. Um, because we've seen guys like Joe Haig looking, I mean, just phenomenal and, and, uh, Kevin Dotson. Um, they've got, uh, I mean, just, I'm just, I'm, I'm blown away from, from all the, all the games I've watched this preseason, the Steelers offensive line has looked the best run blocking. And, um, you know, the results aren't there for, for Najee Harris yet, but they're going to come. Trust me. As soon as they take the, you know, 
the uh, the kid gloves off and he's allowed to to get dirty and and I mean just some of the some of the moves he put on like Ohio State in the championship game uh, they just he was just sliding all through their tackles uh, you know he didn't go off but I mean it took it took six or seven guys to finally bring him down um, yeah. he's a lot quicker than uh, than you think when you look at his size yep. um, he's a he's a phenomenal athlete so. Uh, I'm, I'm excited, man. I think I think the Steelers going to do really well. Uh, of course, the the Chase Claypool news just dropped the floor out on all of us um, <laughs> yeah, when was, we all thought he was out for there. the year. Yeah, that was scary there. Well, you all can't see me, obviously, but I've been nodding my head the entire time Wes was talking about Najee Harris because I see I saw the same thing, man. I saw excellent, excellent footwork, excellent patience, um, and you know if this offensive line is meshing like you're saying, and you know it's. You know, it's preseason. They're running vanilla concepts. Um, you know, Harris, like you mentioned, is probably not even, you know, running at 60%, 70% of his normal velocity. Um, he's just trying to get those, like, you know, mental reps in, get the feel for it. But, uh, yeah, love. And we know Scott is – has that's his other man crush, so. Yeah, I, I freaking love Najee Harris and Dynasty. I've I know you him, do. Yeah. I've got him in quite a quite a few spots. Um but yeah, Harris Harris has been hard for redraft, I think, because that second round range is is really tough this year between Harris, uh, Gibson, Mixon, and then all the receivers in that range. But but Scott, did uh did it did it move again? Listen to Wes Wax poetic about Harris in this line. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, that's great. We actually had an interesting dynasty trade, you and me, Graham. I think yeah. redraft, yeah. you are RB needy and and you uh I traded you Harris for C D Lamb, which is, they're probably neck and neck in ADP right it's now. It's kind of like a wash at this point right now. That that is a that is, like like I was saying. There's like a there's like some leeway there with my dynasty ranks. Where yeah, I have Harris at twelve and I have CD Lamb at five. But a trade one for one, that's perfectly that's yeah. definitely even in my eyes. Yeah, and I know you guys. You know that's the team you and TJ are um, co-managing. I know TJ loves CD and. I only had Aaron Jones and basically like dust at, at RB two. So, and I'm pretty deep at receiver at that team. So I kind of felt like I could move lamb. I also have Jerry Judy who, uh, before we get to the mailbag West, I want to talk to you about Judy because this is something Scott and I've talked about. It's like, you know, Drew Locke is man. Um, he is an enigma. Let's put it that if, if let's play this out in our heads, if you're the Broncos right now, right, you've got this unreal defense. You just added, Two phenomenal cornerbacks, one in free agency, one in the draft. You've got Von Miller coming back healthy. You've got Vic Fangio, who's a phenomenal defensive mind, one of the best defensive minds in NFL history. You've got a, an up-and-coming offensive line, a new back. Like, wouldn't you want to play Teddy Bridgewater and just have him, you know, do his normal check-down things, just get the ball out, distribute it? And if that happens – like that is golden for Jerry Judy because he's the type of guy who's going to be able to get off, you know, man-to-man coverage as fast as possible, get open, and Bridgewater can hit him. Um, I am super excited about Judy this year, but I, I just feel like if they're going to force the Drew Locke issue again, I feel like we're going to get disappointed. So, um, yeah, just general thoughts on Judy and, and kind of where you're at on like this whole quarterback situation. Here. If I could just chime in for a second. You may uh, not. West, we, I was talking to a mutual who will not be named, but you could probably guess who it is, who is tasked with charting for PFF all uh, uh, how often a receiver got open on non-targeted routes. On targeted routes, Judy was actually below average at 
getting open, which I thought was surprising. On non-target routes, no one got open more often than Judy. So I asked this person, what do you think that means? And he's like, well, I think that means a few things. One, maybe the balls lock were throwing on those targets. Maybe they were like like lofty balls with not a lot of velocity or something. So it just gave a quarterback time to recover. But more than anything, it was that Drew Locke was A, a dummy who wasn't targeting him when he was wide the F open, which was often. Uh, uh, yeah, I guess it's that. There was another point to that too, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so here, let's let's talk about Drew Locke. Um, he averaged the eighth most um, air yards per game and the third highest air yards per attempt. This kid, he, like in the preseason, and we you, go look at the box scores for yourself. He All he loves to do, he's trying to win that job with his arm. He's got he's got a very strong arm. Man, um, that, it's impressive. That, that throw he had to Hamler was a freaking yeah. dime. It was like a that, dime. That, that was a great throw. But, I mean, but that's I'm sorry, issue, we don't play that... in the 1960s. You don't yeah. just you don't only throw the ball 50 yards down the field and, and then just hand off the rest of the time. That that was the point I was going to make. It wasn't just that he was a dummy, which he certainly was. He was also blind. Like, how do you just not see Judy? Yeah. Why the because and- Judy is doing the little things. Judy yeah. is a he's a craft. He's a he's a he's a master. He's he's a master at his craft, and he's work. He's a route runner. You know, you look at all the Alabama wide receivers, and they're all they have sharp route running because they've been coached. Do you understand how much Alabama spends on their position coaches? I mean, they spend more on their position coaches than yeah. most teams do on their head coach. Yeah. Right. I mean, they they bring in like NFL coaches to coach these kids as they're going through their 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 collegiate career. He's already been coached by the best. He knows what to do. You don't have to coach him. He's already on the field doing everything he needs to do to succeed, except he's got a quarterback that will only target him if he runs 30 yards down the field. Yeah. That's a problem because he's do, he's doing the little things. He's saying, get me the ball on this so it opens me up on this. But that's not what Drew Locke does. So I agree, Graham. You have to start uh, Bridgewater. There's, there's just no way around it because Bridgewater is that kind of quarterback. He's right. a game manager, yes. Very good against cover one. And we'll say that, one of the top five guys. Um, he, he, he's not the same quarterback that he was when he was at Minnesota, man. I was excited about him when he was at Minnesota before he tore up his knee or, you know, almost, uh, had his knee amputated from that horrific injury. Right. But, uh, it's, it's just disgusting. If they get Cortland Sutton back, I just don't see how they can keep Locke on the field. They've got to take him off. There's I just know, no way. Man. Cause he does these things where it's like, he'll make that throw to, you know, like we saw in the preseason game against, you know, he'll drop that gorgeous diamond there to Hamler. And then it's just like the, the little things that he's not picking up on is what, you know, I think that staff, you know, them taking, you know, them taking Sertan over fields, I think is going to come back to haunt them. Um, but that being said, I think the reason they got Bridgewater is because, you know, he is what he is at this point. You know, he's a ball distributor. He's going to throw to the open man. And that's exactly what this Broncos offense needs. They need a guy who can, you know, not force it uh, in, when it's not necessary they don't need a gunslinger. They need somebody who can come out and just distribute the ball 28, 35 times a game. And that's, that's Bridgewater. And that's kind of what we need for well, Judy. Look at the quarterbacks that are going to be available though. They're going to Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun sure. Watson. Sure. I mean, plus you've got, you got Spencer Rattler, Sam Howell. I mean, you've got, you've got like four elite quarterbacks 
And, you know, I don't know how many court, I know, I know Detroit's going to be after one. Um, but you know, the Broncos are, they're setting themselves, themselves up nicely. And after, um, Samuel, the way he played, man, I don't know that, or I'm sorry, certain he was, he was, that was one of the best games. Yeah, he's yeah, an awesome yeah. player. That, not that taking defense anything. is just nasty. Oh, it's on, and the the fact they got Fuller too is just I still can't. Oh, well, they got Fuller. Plus they got Ronald Ronald Darby from yeah. Washington who who really played well last year um, in a similar scheme, not as not as uh, exotic, but yeah. still had a really had a breakout year there. And, and then obviously Washington didn't want to pay him when they were able to bring in William Jackson. Yeah, is um is Darby going to play the slot? Yeah, it sounds like he's going to play the slot, but okay. of course they. Yeah, I mean, just ridiculous, and we're not. We haven't even we haven't even brought up the the top slot cornerback in the NFL on their team. Um, shoot, I'm looking it up. Forget his name. Um, Bryce Callahan. A, yeah, Bryce Callahan. Yeah, he's the elite slot corner you, in the NFL. Yeah, I remember you writing him up last year. Yeah, the elite guy, yeah, the I mean, guy this, that that just ridiculous. This team is freaking. I mean, their defense is just so loaded. I mean, they're so loaded. So that's why I'm crossing my fingers that we get Bridgewater and they just kind of let him, you know, be the checkdown guy and get the ball yeah. out. But um, but yeah, if, if that happens, I think I think it makes sense to be all in on Judy. And I, I mean, they'll slide into the playoffs, playoffs and that'll be enough to keep uh, yeah. Fangio's job. For and next that's, year. that's I guess that was kind of my point about the field Sertan thing, right? Is like th- this team is ready to win now. I mean, they are mm-hmm. ready to go. You're not going to be picking that early again in 2022. You're just not. Like the, they are yeah. massively hedging their bets that they're uh, or putting their bets on that they're going to get Rodgers or Watson or maybe another veteran will come available. But um, yeah, yeah, I, man, I just hope we get Bridgewater for Judy or even like Mariota would be an improvement yeah. on both of those guys. Man, you know, Mariota looked great in that game that Carr got hurt. I think it was a Thursday night yeah. game. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think it was. He looked really damn good in that game. Um, all right. That's been, this has been great, man. Um, we need to get the mailbag. We're already like pushing an hour here. Um, so we'll, um, we'll transition over here. We need to get some sort of like mailbag drop for some of these episodes. I don't know what we could do, but, uh, we'll, we'll try to figure it out for the next one. Um, so let's start here from our guy, Trav at uh, true North, uh, fantasy football, not a question, just a statement. When, uh, when we put this out, he said, uh, I was asking for some questions, and he said his pants moved a little, which I think I think we can all all agree. Is he taking what, what Scott's taking? I mean, I, 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 <laughs> we got to get sponsored. We got to get sponsored by this. Yo, I, I, I got a legit subscription just because we gave a shout out to Raw Milk on our last podcast. No way, was, dude! It was like, yeah, yeah, I drink raw milk religiously, but it's expensive, so I'm buying a, a cow for my nine children. That was awesome. And then he like, I'm like, yeah, I drink it. It's supposedly healthier. And I, I noticed like, I don't have as much of a negative reaction with that as pasteurized milk. And then he like dropped a bunch of knowledge. So crazy. Yeah. Maybe uh, the, the thing we're referencing is I, I've been taking a, a supplement <laughs> known as Tonkat Ali and uh, for, for weightlifting, supposedly boost testosterone or whatever. I said, yeah, it, it, it's been solid. The only thing I noticed is, uh, uh, road rage, and then something else that that had everyone else laughing. Uh, so if you're if you're interested, uh, Tong Ali, I think it's called like the Malaysian Viagra or something, like as a one of its names. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it helped in the gym a little bit. Two bars sponsored by Raw Milk. 
in Tongkat Ali. That's what we need. That's what we need right there. Um, that's wait. So real quick, Scott, I got to ask you. So this, you're going to start buying raw milk from this dude? Is that is that what the setup is? <laughs> no, he's in he's in California. Oh. oh, okay, okay. I didn't know if he was a Texas guy. Okay, I was curious. Yeah. So yeah, thanks, Trav. I, I appreciate appreciate the comment. Um, on to on. On a better, yeah, on a bigger and better things though. Um, we got a question from Blake on Twitter. Um, Wes, uh, he asked about your favorite late round tight end and running back. Let's uh, let's go through tight ends first. So who's your who's your favorite late round tight end this year for redraft? Well, I know it's a guy Scott loves. Um, we both have a man crush on him. You know, he's he's following some coaches over from uh, the Rams, and that's Gerald Everett with Seattle. Um, I think he's gonna he's gonna end the year um, as a top ten tight end at least, um, and and I'm I'm sure Scott's got some sexy stats to throw at us. Uh, yeah. So one of the things uh, I, I do every year that no one reads, but it's like one of the most important pieces of information I gather just for myself, and that's my post draft presser review. So I've seen a lot of comments on Twitter like. I'm really, I'm pretty sure that Rondell Moore is going to be the starter guys. And it's like, yeah, Cliff Kingsbury literally told us he was going to start from day one in his yeah. post-draft press conference. He said he was going to feature him, uh, make sure he gets the ball in his hands as often as pot. Like we, we knew that already. And, and one of the things like that was Seattle's post-draft presser where they said, no, 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 G- Gerald Everett's our number three receiver. That's, that's why we got him. We need a number three receiver in Waldron's offense. And that's going to be Everett. So it's, he was a guy, you know, in best ball, you know, draft every single time. I question his upside, but I feel like he's a lock to finish as a low end tight end one. And he's being drafted as a low end tight end two. Yeah. Yeah. I question his upside too, obviously, because Metcalf and Lockett are going to get, you know, 45, 50, 55% of the targets there. So on a weekly basis, I think he's going to be pretty volatile. Uh, but for some like suit, uh, for some like tight end premium leagues and dynasty, I've been trying to sniff around and buy some ever because it does feel like the market's like way below what his floor could be. And uh, Shane Waldron, man, he was the tight ends coach when the Rams drafted him. I mean, this is now his mm-hmm. fifth year of uh, of coaching ever. He's going to know exactly how to use him in this offense. So I'm I'm, I'm with you guys there. Um, Blake also asked who our favorite late round running backs are. Uh, Scott, you want to want to take this one first? Yeah, none of the above. I, I go RB, <laughs> RB to start, not yeah. fail for a reason. Avoid that mess. Uh, Graham, you know, he hyped up wide receivers a little bit in round two. No, I'm, I'm going RB, RB to start, so I don't have Man. to answer that question. I just can't get away from Ridley or Hopkins in the second round. I just fucking, I mean, and Waller too. I, I love Waller in the second. I, I don't even really like Hopkins in the second. I, I don't have a good reason to be down on him, but just uh i feel like he's a reason i'm not on hopkins go ahead go ahead no go ahead please was the the only reason i'm not on hopkins is i don't play a lot of a lot of redrafts i i usually stick with dynasty and uh you know and he's he's pushing 30 and you know if if he fell enough i would definitely snag him up but i'm not gonna reach i'm not gonna you know uh go after him early in the second or anything like that if he dropped to the third for sure i'd i'd scoop him up you know what part of it is for me there was a, a great article last year from all the NFL GMs speaking anonymously for the athletic. And uh, after that Hopkins trade, which was, you know, God awful. Uh, one of the, one of these, you know, it was a head of a front office or it was a head of a scouting department said uh, he thinks Hopkins is losing a step. And he thinks, you know, he, he really like the windows closing on him. He has maybe a year where he's still an elite receiver 
and I mean, he was great last year, so maybe that's not something to worry about. But have you noticed anything like that, Wes? And then again, maybe it was Bill O'Brien who gave that quote, so who knows? <laughs> Probably was. Yeah, yeah. Which, I mean, it, that guy was run out of the league uh, really quickly after making those moves. Um, yeah, okay, so as far as like my late round running backs, I'll throw five guys at you. Um, one guy, Ramadre Stevenson, perfect scheme fit. Um, you know, basically in my eyes, the only guy that is in his way is, is Damian Harris. So who I love as well. Um, you know, obviously I, I prefer these, the new England running backs with Mac Jones at quarterback. Um, another guy that I like late round, um, is Gus Edwards with Baltimore. Let's not forget that, that Baltimore, um, they were, uh, they, you know, they've, they've led the NFL in, in rushing attempts. I mean, by a wide margin the past two years, I think JK Dobbins is going to have a breakout year, but I still think there's going to be plenty left over for, um, for Edwards, Sal- Salvan Ahmed. I mean, obviously they're going to be doing some type of rotation there. I think he looked really good in the preseason. Obviously it's preseason. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, start taking uh, Scott's medication and get excited about that. But um, <laughs> um, another guy that I like is um, um, shoot. I just saw his name. Oh, Darrell Will- Williams with KC. Yeah, um, you know, he's, he's in the right situation and uh, you know, throwing a late dart at him is, is definitely worth it. And um, you know, another guy that, that it looks like he's possibly going to start. I don't love him. And, uh, you know, I know, you know, it's not going to get you guys excited, but, uh, Philip Lindsay, I mean, if he gets, if he gets enough volume, he might, he might give us some late round stuff, you know? He's so looking like the knows? RB1A there. Yeah. 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 So it, it's, it's worth it at his, uh, his ADP, which is, you know, outside the, the top, uh, what 90 running or 90 players. So yeah. it's not, it's not, you know, really late round, but it's, it's, it's pretty good for a, for a starting running back considering the other guys are going to be drafting him around. Yeah. Poor went out for the people who were taking David Johnson in the ninth round of best ball drafts in May. Uh, yeah. poor went out for those guys. There's if they're about to get cucked. Uh, one guy I want to add yeah. to this list is Damian Williams. Um, Tariq Cohen is not right guys. Uh, his ACL recovery has taken him some time. I know Damian Williams hasn't played in 18 months, but I, I think at worst he's the passing down back, um, you know, to kind of change up to David Montgomery. If Montgomery gets hurt, we've seen Damian Williams in a featured role uh, do very well. So I think Dame is, is the one guy I've been adding in a ton of, uh, a ton of leagues in like the last round just to kind of uh, have an upside shot. And he's kind of the guy I'm taking late rounds too to not take a defense or a kicker in some of my seasonal leagues. Yeah. Um, shout, out, shout out to uh, one of the guys in our DFB <clears throat> league. The Siege tweeted out that uh, I'll pull it up. I'll pull it up. Hot take Damian Williams outscores David Montgomery in fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, sorry. Wait, sorry. No. The I, only I'm way that happens is if Montgomery literally like Gets falls hurt. apart. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's such a that's such a siege take. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm not I, the I right guy to give that take to because I love me some David Montgomery. I think there's a chance he's just, he just go back to him being a full on bell cow because mm-hmm. he was awesome at that last year, and then Damon Damon Williams is just dust. Obviously, what you said, you know, it could be a committee that could use him in the Tree Cohen role, but. Yeah. I think Cohen's got – he needs to switch to slot receiver. Give that team a, another option uh, at receiver. I, I don't think he's his body well, actually, is built. Actually, we have inside information that Allen Robinson's going to be 
yeah. in the slot a lot this year, which is yeah. awesome for fantasy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. yeah. Love, yeah. Love just move that. Cohen around. They're already doing it basically. So uh, just, I don't think he can handle running between the tackles and stuff. I know they, they, they like to give it to him on outside zone, but it doesn't matter to me. A lot, it's a one cut scheme and, and he's taken a lot of those outside zone cuts to the inside. He just, his body's not built for that. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and now, you know, for a player that relies on those cuts, relies on that explosiveness and the fact that he's not, not even close to hundred percent, it's definitely scary. So yeah. But, I mean, just a phenomenal athlete. I mean, he, yeah. he needs to be on the field, you know? Um, so th- there's plenty of openings at wide receiver there in, in Chicago. Yeah. Uh, all right. So another question here from Luke on Twitter, uh, shout out to Luke Hoover. I think he's been following Scott and I for a long time. <laughs> so appreciate that, man. Um, what rookie wide receiver is going to finish as the number two behind Jamar Chase this year? And then he follows it up. And why is it Terrence Marshall Jr.? Well, this isn't really the right group, again, to be dropping that because, <laughs> um, you know, we love Jamar. I mean, I don't care. Jamar Chase is is going to do well in the NFL. And then you got then you got Elijah Moore to deal with. And then I'm not somebody that you want to really – uh, challenge about him on Ross St. Brown. This this kid is uh, he puts in more work than anybody, uh, any rookie. I'll I'll tell you that. Um, uh, so it's going to be tough. I do love me some some Terrace Marshall. Uh, I think he'll have a good year. But man, and then we're not even talking about guys like Diami Brown. Another guy we'll talk about later. Haven't even mentioned Jalen Waddle. I mean. This is a stacked class, you know, not quite as stacked as uh, as last Devonta year. Devonta Smith, Rondale Moore. Yeah, yeah, I mean, come on. This is a stacked freaking class. And Josh Palmer, he looks like he's going to have a significant early role in, he's gonna be uh, in L.A. Yeah, yeah. He's gonna be so it's yeah. going to be tough. And, and then when Bateman comes back, I mean, it, it's it's – but, you know, of course, he's missing out on all of his, his rookie snaps. That's That's just devastating. Yeah, and especially you know the, the Ravens, we know how they want to play. I mean, they're gonna they're gonna throw it four hundred and fifty times, you know, if yeah. everything's running well for them this year. So, uh, my concern with Marshall is not it has nothing to do with the player because he you know should have been a first round talent. He would have been a first round pick if he didn't have all the injury concerns. My concern is he's the number four on the team in targets, like not even close. Like more Anderson and CMC are, are all pretty safe locks for a hundred. 100 to 110 targets give all all three of them full health. So I my well, concern and we're not even Go ahead, I'm sorry. No, my I was just going to say that you know, that's my main concern with Marshall is he just doesn't really have an avenue to to predictable targets. Well, and then the way they 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 went out and they got a they got a tight end his name eludes me um and then they drafted Tommy um Tommy Trimble, they drafted him. They also got the the receiver from Arizona um uh Dan Arnold. And yeah, and so yeah. it looks like they're going they're gonna try to get tight ends involved. I mean, if whatever they can do to, to separate themselves from Ian Thomas is <laughs> is just great. Um, but so it looks like they're gonna you know and and Tremble he caught a touchdown in the the preseason game. So um, and and that was always the thing about him is um, you know just a phenomenal athlete, but he just you know didn't really put up the results. But if he's gonna if he's if it starts clicking for him, and then Dan Arnold, I mean he's he's one of the pure. Uh, one of the best pure um, receiving tight ends outside of the, you know, the elite group. Uh, he's really talented as a receiver. So right. he just can't block worth a, worth a, a darn. So 
Um, I, it looks like that Brady's trying to incorporate tight ends more. It, it's, but I mean, you know, Marshall's going to get his. I just, it's just, it may not be this year. Yeah, Trimble's a good blocker, right? Like he was. Uh, was wasn't that his calling card? And yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah he right. a great athlete. Yeah, he'll get right up in the the trenches. No problem there. That's why he was drafted yeah. where he was drafted. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's switch over here. Uh, I had a question from from Discord. We popped this into our, our premium Discord, which you definitely want to be in for this year. Uh, I got a question from Tiny, who's like, I, I think maybe the most. Uh, he's in the he's in our Discord more than pretty much everybody. Um, he said on BB10s, 15 running backs are going in the top 24. So of that top, you know, 15 running backs going in the first two rounds, which running backs do you think have legit? top three upside obviously not christian mccaffrey um so let's start there which, which cook in that group i mean yeah that's not let's fair. not yeah let's not include cook so of the or kamara know, top, i mean yeah okay so let's let's take those three guys out um you know what frankly let's take henry out too so like yeah of, the, of yeah. those guys that aren't you know consensus top four who do you think has you know top three upside it's simple to me. I think Elliot is in that group. Uh, if, right. if, if Prescott's on the field, Elliot's going to be uh, in that group. Uh, you know, we all want to think Barkley is, but you know, let's, let's even skip him because um, I, it, it's, it's just too easy. I think, uh, you know, where he was the, the RB one um, just a couple of years ago. So um, I'll say, I'll say Chubb. And then, um, you know, I'm going to skip Najee Harris and I'm, I'm going to say Antonio Gibson. Yeah. Gibson, man. Um, you know, we just I, we're waiting to see it, waiting to see that you know him get that third down role. We saw McKissick play a bunch of third downs in the first preseason game. I'm by no means freaking out yet. I, I want to see the next yeah. two games and see, you know, especially. Well, that, think that, about it. Yeah. Before he hurt his toe, right? I mean, look at his numbers at week eleven. If his yeah. numbers continued, he would have led the NFL in like touchdowns and possibly rushing yards. I don't yeah. know if he would have got to two thousand, but definitely touchdowns. He would have been right there. At the top, I mean, yeah. so we'd be talking about him as a top five guy. Yeah, Scott made that. Scott's made that point a bunch of times, and it's a great one. That like right before that injury, I mean, he was starting to get more involved in the passing game. Then he got hurt, and you know, this mm-hmm. is something. This is some, This is kind of more of like a, a you know deeper discussion on last year. But like some teams, you know, guys like Justin Jefferson, they just stood out because like they're just dominant players. But like you know, every you know everybody's different. You know that COVID offseason, not getting the normal amount of meetings, not getting the normal amount of practice reps. We kind of saw it with these backs like Dobbins, Gibson. These guys just didn't get the same reps that they're, you know, would normally get in a normal offseason. So it makes sense that like, you know, we have a normal offseason here. We got normal OTAs, normal mini camps, mm-hmm. normal meetings, normal film review, all of that stuff to kind of get, you know, get in the flow thing. So I definitely buy you know, that there's something there with Gibson and, and Dobbins, guys like that are going to be involved more in the passing game simply because they have the reps to do it. And in, in Gibson's case specifically, real quick, Washington knows that he's a great receiver, right? Like that was the, that's the thing. Like he was awesome at Memphis. They would move him all around the formation, try to find different ways to get him with the ball. We know what Gibson can do as a receiver. I think it makes sense that they went into last year and said, okay, let's install and see what he can do as a runner. And he answered all of their questions about it. So I'm just waiting to see it, man. I'm really hoping we, we, we see it a bit in the second and third preseason game. Um, but for right now, I still think he's like firmly in that like mix in territory. Uh, I don't know if we're going to see it in the preseason. I, I yeah, think, I maybe think it's one of those, yeah. yeah, it's one of those things where they're like, the coaches like, um, you know, uh, fans don't get too excited because we're not even going to, 
um, you know, come out with anything new. And I, I think that maybe they're, they're going to keep that in their back pocket until week one. Right. Yeah. It makes sense. Um, uh, Tiny also asked who has the biggest bus potential out of the top 15 guys. And I'll, I'll start with this. I think it's, I think it's Jonathan Taylor. Um, you know, Scott has mentioned this and made a, a bunch of great points about, you know, the Colts, uh, if they decline in their game scripts this year, it's going to hurt Taylor. Um, you know, Wentz is questionable for week one. Quentin Nelson's week questionable for week one. Eric Fisher's probably not going to play until week five or week six coming off that Achilles. Um, you know, Taylor doesn't have a pathway, you know, to the kind of the same outs that Eckler has, um, you know, or Mixon even might have now. Um, so, you know, I think, you know, where Taylor was being drafted, I mean, he was going ahead of Zeke for most of the summer until just recently. Uh, Taylor's definitely, you know, the market's definitely cooled off on Taylor some, but I still think he ha- he carries the most risk out of like the top 15 backs right now. Yeah, I completely agree. And I, I don't think that, that even when Wentz does get on the field, he just doesn't throw to his t- to yep. his running backs yep. anywhere close to what Phillip Rivers did. So, um, you know, that would, that would probably be the best thing for Taylor is if Rivers came out of retirement. But it sounds like Wentz is, is going to be back on the field. So, yeah, um, yeah I, I just I – never, I never got into the Taylor hype. I was always bigger um, actually, uh, you know, not, not way ahead, but I was always a little bit bigger on Gibson and Dobbins than I was Taylor. So um, – uh, but you know, a guy that that scares me a little bit is, is, is Joe Mixon. Um, hmm. and he's not top fifteen, but um, um, he's a guy that that uh, it's not it's not necessarily that I don't think he can do well. It's just that um, I, I just um, for one, I don't like him. What he did to the girl in college, I never yeah. liked him very much. Yeah. Um, if he did that to my daughter, I would cripple him. Um, but. Uh, <laughs> uh, Mixon is a is a guy that 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 you know he's coming off the foot injury, which foot injuries scare me with running backs. And um, you know I I want to see him do it first, but uh, you know I'm not reaching for him. Is basically what I'm saying. Yeah, Scott and I were going back and forth this on this a little bit last night. It's like you know, um, let's say Mixon gets the passing down role that we have wanted him to get for all these years. You know, the Bengals are still going to like, they're still going to struggle a bit. I mean, they're by far the fourth worst, you know, they're the worst team in that division. You know, they got to play the Ravens, Steelers and, uh, and Browns six times a year. I mean, it's, it's a tough, tough division for them to really have good game scripts. And I think that's the one thing in Gibson's back pocket is like Washington, Washington is going to be awesome. Like this defense is going to be awesome. So Gibson should look at the receiving group. Yeah. With, with uh, Samuel and, and, and Brown now helping, um, and, and then of course our guy, Logan Thomas, I know he's not, I know you don't like him that much, um, Graham, but yeah. And then Logan Thomas, I mean, that, that's, that's a talented offense. Yeah, for sure. It's not that I don't like Logan Thomas. It's just like, I, I don't see, you want to see more production, more consistent production. Yeah. You know, he was inefficient last year because Alex Smith was a ghost of himself at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't really knock Thomas's efficiency against him. It's more just like, Man, they're obsessed with Curtis Samuel. Ron Rivera tried to trade for him last year, um, and I, I just I'm obsessed I, with Curtis Samuel. I think he's. I mean, four he's a three perfect, one, buddy. Yeah, man, he's a perfect fit for for that offense too. I just don't see the pathway to Thomas getting like you know twenty five percent of the team's targets, like you know Darren Waller. I don't think they want him to. I think. Yeah. I think they yeah. think he can do well with less targets, and if he can if he can up his touchdown number, then you know we're going to see some similar numbers. Right. 
So, so I, I got, I, I, one day we were doing a draft. It was a Devi and, um, I, I happened to look and I had a trade offer. A guy wanted Sterling Shepard from me for Logan Thomas. I said, accept. <laughs> it was like, yeah. uh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> I, I didn't even have to think about that one. You know, the, the, the situation, the team. Right yeah. That's an yeah. click right yeah. there. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right, so one more uh, from uh, Beard06 on Twitter. Uh, he asks, what player is Wes most bullish on this season and why? Hmm. Bullish. That's – you know, I don't want to take the easy route uh, with, um, with uh, Amon Ross St. Brown. I'm not even going to go rookie here. Um, let's see if – uh, one guy that that I just can't I can't get enough of is and I am gonna go rookie I changed my mind uh, is is Kyle Pitts because in, and especially since we're we're in the dynasty um, conversation here um, I, I I've seen I've seen Kyle Pitts just drop and drop and drop I mean look look people we've never seen a guy like this at, at tight end come into the league ever. It's never happened. Mm -hmm. Um, The closest thing is like Kellen Winslow Jr. And, and he had nowhere near the, the ability that Kyle Pitts has. I mean, uh, maybe Jeremy, what was his name? uh, Played at Miami. uh, Jockey. Jeremy Shockey. I mean, these are the types of guys that we've had come in that are supposed to be the next big thing. And they were good. They were good. They weren't, they weren't like revolutionary type guys. And uh, I, I have zero issue um, w- grabbing him in the third round of every dynasty draft that I do. And I'm going to look back and I'm going to say, so like right now you, you see, you see Travis Kelsey at the end of the first round or even some people at the middle of the first round. And you're like, Ooh, easy button. I'm, I'm popping him, you know, the biggest advantage in all of fantasy. And I love it. You know, I think it's a good way to approach it. I also think Darren Waller, another guy that you definitely just, you, you, you just click easy click. That's yeah. why, that's how I feel about Kyle Pitts. I mean, they, they traded away, uh, the, the guy that that was supposed to be the, their offense basically just because they knew what they had with Pitts and and I, I just I'll do it in every single draft it, and and you know if I'm wrong I'm wrong but I, I just feel like that that even with all the hype surrounding him I feel like it's still not strong enough. Yeah, yeah, I, you know I'm glad we got your thoughts on this because uh, Pitts has been somebody we've asked everybody about this offseason on on the pod so. Um, I mean, I'm with you. I'm with you for for dynasty purposes. I think Pitts is like shoe and you know tight end one already. But uh, it's it's been harder for for both Scott and I. And I don't want to speak for Scott too much, but like it's been harder for he and I to kind of get on board for for redraft this year purposes. But um, let's round yeah. off this with this yeah. final question here because um, this kind of segues perfectly um, from Vinny on Twitter. He he asked um, on uh, Fantasy Points draft live stream we did a while back. Wes was uh, Wes was talking about how he felt that this is the year of the tight end, and I, I wonder if that's kind of what you meant with Pitts and Waller. Like this is the year we finally get some sort of you know middle class with with tight end. So um, yeah, what what did you mean by this is like the year of the tight end, and, and do you think this is actually the year that the position comes around a little bit? I think there's a I think there's a, a possibility that we could see at least five elite tight ends, and that I mean we got to think that that it's only been um, you know, how many years now, and we've only had like one or two and and three when Kittle was healthy, um, and after that I mean it was basically nothing because 
Um, you know, uh, Hawkinson and Goddard were young. Andrews, he he was he would catch his touchdowns, but he just wasn't he wasn't the the volume hog that we that we want. But um, you know, so you throw in Pitts there, who's you know we've never seen a guy come in like this with so much talent, and um, that that right there gives us four. Hawkinson is going to be the the target number one in Detroit, and he's going to eat, and it's going to be nasty. Now the 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 guy that could that could be the the you know the party pooper is is Zach Ertz. We talked about him yesterday on our. Um, our, our meeting, uh, fantasy points meeting, and you know we all want to see him get moved. We'd love to see him go to Buffalo because heck, he could be another guy that could that could do well there. You know, um, so if, if if he can get out of the way, Goddard's another guy that could step up. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, if Baltimore, if they start passing the ball more, we could see Mark Andrews. I'm not as big on Noah Fan. I think I think Logan Thomas can do well, and then the 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 dark horse. I mean, we could see T- uh, Tanyan come in and just. Uh, I mean, he was awesome last year, efficiency-wise. Um, I think he even gets a bigger role this year. So, I mean, that's a lot of guys. That's a lot of guys that you can look at for some really good numbers. And we haven't had that luxury in a long time. Man, I I love Robert Tanyan. Like, he is one guy. I think I've warmed up to him more than any player um, the last, like, maybe month and a half. I mean, because, yeah, you mentioned, sure, you know, the touchdown regression is already baked into his ADP. I mean, there's no way he's going to have that type of scoring rate that he had last year. But, you know, what it will beget, it'll beget more targets. You know, Packers still have, like, up in the air, number two receiver, you know. You know, talk to me all you want about Randall Cobb. You know, he's at the back nine. He's in the back nine of his career. He's going to get his targets with Rodgers, but I don't think it's going to be in any sort of volume role. I think we're going to see Tanyan, you know, I think we're going to see him continue to ascend, and I think he's going to be a huge part of this offense, especially off their play action stuff as a vertical element up the seam. I think that's going to be huge for this offense. So, yeah, I'm with you on Tanya, and I think I think he's kind of like like you mentioned. I think he's that dark horse guy that's like, man, he he is on the precipice of like not necessarily being the elite like Waller, Kittle, or Kelsey, or even Pitts no, type, no. but I think he's like, man. I mean, I think he's like so solidly has top five in his range of outcomes back in the top. Five. Yeah. If we can get nine tight ends that, that can be difference makers on a weekly basis. Right. I mean, I can't, I don't even, it's been at least 20 years since that's happened and probably right. longer if it's ever happened. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's the same, same debate we have every year, you know, a couple years ago, we all thought it was OJ Howard and Evan Ingram and Hunter Henry are going to kind of be that middle class and, that didn't happen. Uh, Grant injuries played a big part of that, but yeah, I, th- I think I think this year is is set up really nice. Like between Thomas Tunyon, um, I'm with you. I'm kind of out on Fant, um, but Thomas and Tunyon can kind of be those guys. I like Higby too in the late rounds, or not late rounds, but like you know rounds eight through ten. Yeah. Oh yeah, Higby. I like I like Gasicki. I know everybody, not a lot, a lot of people do, but he's given us um, steady steady increases in production across the board. He had a drop in snaps last year, still produced the counting stat. Uh, increases. Um, I think if if you know we see some some injuries in the the Dolphins receiving group, I think that that he could he could sneak in there. But you know, uh, I'm not as ex- I'm not as excited as I am those top nine. Right. Well, Wes, this has been great, man. We're about to push uh, an hour and a half. This has been uh, been awesome. Um, you know, want to thank you, thank you for your time, thank you for your expertise, and and guys like. Wes's advanced matchups article that's going to be on the, the premium side for DFS that it's like appointment reading. 
Um, do not set your DFS lineups uh, without that. Frankly, don't even set your season long lineups without it. You need to you need to get in on on that every single week. Make sure you're reading it, absorbing it, coming back to it on Friday nights, Saturday nights, whenever you're trying to set your lineups. Uh, definitely get to it. Um, but for Wes, for Scott. I'm Graham. This has been an awesome episode of Two Bars. Scott and I will be back next week. Guys, good luck with your drafts this weekend. Huge draft weekend coming up. Uh, Best of luck. Draft Elijah Moore everywhere. And we will see you next week. Welcome to Fantasy Points Radio. We bring to you Barfield and Barrett. All of these parents say hella embarrassed Like why did they air it? But all of these errors And Buffett and Barrett You cannot compare it The kings of this era There should be a tariff On all of this knowledge I follow regardless And straight to the point like a crow Popping and coming It's losing my oxygen Takes that they got made me go Whoa So what's a swamp rat gotta do? I'm chasing all of this cheese Even if my competition grew Deuces to the mean Your boy is never regressing Off season through the season 365, 247 And it's one for the money Two bars on the show Stay ready, swamp rats, let's go It's the fantasy points Ain't no raggedy joint They mad at me scoring points But then they glad that they join One for the money, two bars on the show